You're listening to an Imagine More podcast. The presentation you're about to hear was recorded as part of the 2021 Get That Good Life Conference. We split this session into four parts. This is part four. And so just the last couple of stories. One is uh, Rob is a Zen guy that uh, is so quiet. He's a man that ended up as this diversity consultant in the daycare and is a a part of a a collaborative that creates children's books. But along before that, when we started out, based on his interests and what we knew and what we could think about, we helped him start a small courier company delivering to a, a number of small um, not-for-profits into the bank and back and forth. So in a month, work for these four or five not-for-profit. He loved being in the car, you know, and out of there was his idea of a good time. So it really worked well for him. But when the internet started to come into being a thing, his um, business disappeared. And at the beginning, that was a, pan- a panic because we hadn't really worked out this strategy and everything was starting from a scrap without to kind of knowing but we reminded ourselves we had learned some things we put together a bunch of this uh parts of the strategy and uh, then we just reapplied what we knew when we started what what was his interest what was he really keen on that evolved into uh this idea that he uh would be part of a, a collaborative uh, or actually it led to his participation and then his development as diversity consultant at this daycare uh, based on a contribution that we felt that he could make to that daycare. And it was snapped up and has been a really, really strong role for him. And that led to um, him working with an amateur photographer and eventually into a series of books that four people um, in a collaborative have put together. And so for the lesson of that story is that, uh, you know, we uh, were panicked because our one good idea uh, had fallen flat and we were exhausted to think that we would have to start all over again. The other story I wanted to end with is the art gallery where Tiffany met her painting group. Um, she went there every Monday and painted all day and had lunch and then they painted for another couple of hours. The same group of eight or nine uh, um, artists. And in the gallery where that painting group was held a few years back, the, the gallery agreed to a community service coming in and opening up a, a class just for people with disabilities. And so we used the vision and the strategy and the mindset thinking in order to do a couple of things. One is clearly we said no to the art class for Tiffany because, of course, someone brought it to her attention. Why wouldn't she be thrilled? Uh, so we not only said no to the art class, we told them, why she wouldn't be thrilled. And we kind of talked about her really authentic and typical uh, pathway into the art gallery, first as an artist and then as joining this painting group, and then also as volunteering at various events with the art gallery and how she made a contribution. And they could see that it was just um, uh, a very typical pathway and quite wonderful. But we also did some strategic things. We just kept her away on art class days because if she walked the halls, we thought people you know, what are we putting into the minds of other people? We wanted to her not to be seen as, you know, one of those people that had nothing to do with me, right? And she had lots of people on the day she was there that did know her and connected with her. And it's this thinking about the vision and the um, strategy and mindset and these questions that helped us to really keep ourselves clear on this uh, and and help others, um, particularly in our painting class, that led to lots of discussion and a solid understanding from other people about who she was and what she had to contribute and what her pathway was, um, as opposed to uh, coming simply because there was a class for people with disabilities. 
And so this kind of thinking and this kind of discussion in particular with members of her support team really did turn it into a powerhouse team where the vision of uh, Tiffany's place in her community was very clear from the start. And we learned how to walk on the pathway that would get us there, you know, one step at a time, one role at a time, and paying attention to everything from a planned strategy for her to be there, a real diligence around who she was and honoring that, allowing her to grow in given time and really paying attention to relationships that were possible through these new venues, through her taking on new roles, meeting new people, nurturing them, um, nourishing them, um, and making sure that they weren't left alone until they were strong enough so that people were actually calling her. That's years and years and years of work, but very, very positive right from the beginning. So um, I want to say it is, it is a lot of hard work, uh, but it's good hard work and that it makes this team that can be powerful together um, makes all the, of the difference in the world. Thank you, Janet. That was wonderful. And I'm sorry about that tech issue. That was really uh, fabulous, Janet, where my son, who's 19, who's um, got several staff uh, of his own, um, I think it will be really helpful for them around knowing how to best support him to be embedded in the community. So I hope that everyone on here today um, also feels that that resonates with them. So here's some questions. Um, we'll start with the first one here, Janet. Can you give an example of how a support person can introduce themselves and the person with disability to others without unintentionally throwing the person into the client role? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> so I, I just try to be really, really simple. And people say, you know, like, who are you? And I'll say, uh, oh, I'm Janet Dine here today with Tiffany, who is off to her art class. I'm going to give her a ride there. But did you know she's taking part in this art exhibit uh, in two weeks' time? And she's kind of getting all ready for that. And and if it's someone in her building, I might say something like, have you ever seen her art? Because you should pop up sometime. She would love to show you around her apartment. It's just filled with her stuff, right? And so what I'm doing very intentionally, I'm saying my name, because that's um, good manners. And then I'm flipping the attention. I'm here with, or um, I'm assisting, or I'm helping this person. So just in very, very ordinary uh, language. And then I'm shifting, if I possibly can, the attention to this person and who they are and what they are doing with their time and seeing if I can, uh, you know, find some little pieces. So, uh, you know, one time we did this, uh, a a local uh, city councillor had come to the building And uh, I was standing beside Tiffany in my paid role at that point. And she says, oh, and who are you? And I ended up doing this. And she goes, oh, is it watercolors? And I I said, Tiffany, it is watercolors, isn't it? She goes, oh, I do some watercolors. I'd love to see her stuff. So they whisked off to the apartment. And, and, uh, you know, a couple of weeks later, that ended up in an invitation for Tiffany to uh, mount a small exhibit at City Hall. Right? Because, and, and. It wasn't really about me. So that's what you're doing. It's not about you. Now, I think that what happens, it's not that I'm saying to people, I'm a volunteer, I'm a friend or anything like that. If they see me with her time and again, they figure out and I'm in some kind of paid role. But by then they know so much else about Tiffany 
that that's kind of not the first thing they understand about her. And it kind of falls into greater balance than obviously she has a disability. It's very clear she might need support from time to time. I guess Janet's one of the people who did that. But rather than defining her through her need for assistance, that came much later. So that's how I try to avoid the client role. Yeah, so really bring it back to the person. Really good. Okay, so how can we overcome the seemingly instinctive tendency to infantilize um, that a lot of people adopt when talking to um, a person with disabilities? So, yes, I always talk about this, you know, sing-song voice um, to be on the high alert. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you have to first of all ask yourself, am I modeling any of that? And sometimes as a voice is a little bit loud, I'll just say he hears quite well. And if you just uh, speak speak clearly, uh, we'll both be able to follow you. That will be fine. Or, um, and then the role modeling and really trying to kind of modulate the voice, good, ordinary language, lots of equalness. Um, and then depends on the person, you know, um, if it's like I was thinking again, because I, I spent a lot of time at this housing cooperative with a small number of people who lived in various parts of the building. Um, if I got to know a neighbor really, really well, I might say something like, if you can um, speak to her, you know, in a, in a lower tone and really ordinary ways, uh, that will give such a great message to other people in the co-op. Uh, that she's actually a young woman and not a child. And she is pretty short. So she's, it's something she has to battle all the time. So you try to find a way in if you know people a little bit better. If it's a stranger, it's really kind of role modeling uh, for the most part. Um, if it's the diminutive of the name, you know, people sometimes call Tiffany Tiffy, you know, and so, so we'll say, um, actually it's Tiffany. Uh, uh, she's a woman now. I mean, even at the time in her twenties or in her, 30s, not a child anymore, right? Try to give lots of messages that way. But, uh, you know, in those first encounters, uh, there's nothing to stop it. And there's sometimes um, a little to uh, kind of influence in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, no, the modeling is very powerful, isn't it? That's for sure. Okay. okay. So I guess another question um, is around, can you... Give an example of how to nourish a relationship. Well, it's come broad, but. Um, I think we have to really, uh, I always think about uh, being prepared to talk about what do you say after you say hello, right? So being prepared in advance sometimes. And so uh, think about what do people talk about? We talk about the weather. We talk about COVID these days. We talk about, and we try to find what, that's what neighbors are off for doing. They're trying to find um, uh, uh, areas of commonality, but they start with these things that anyone can talk about, the weather, um, sometimes some of the sports scores for perhaps, and that gives you a tip about somebody anyways. If someone's walking with a dog, you can ask the name of their dog and, you know, they go to the dog park. So first of all, you're just trying to be chatty. If the person you're with um, is able to enter the conversation, either even with a few words or saying, you know, didn't your, doesn't your family have a dog? You know, what, what was that dog's name? And the people are always really, really happy uh, to do that. So as a, as a first off, you know, just to be a bit planful around that, um, again, um, in the neighborhood with one person, uh, 
they didn't have a family dog. She was really, really um, uh, thrilled and happy to be around dogs, but it wasn't big in her life. And there were lots of dogs in the neighborhood. So we helped her uh, to purchase some good quality dog biscuits. And and uh, so that meant that she became a little bit known among some people as someone who did have yummy, yummy biscuits. And what I try to do at the very, very beginning, I'm just trying to stretch from one to three to five to seven seconds. You know, how do you um, spend a bit more time together? How do you uh, say hello often? Um, how do you have an opportunity to say, oh, we've seen you two or three times now. It feels like uh, we should find out your name and we should give you our name. Uh, you know, like, how do you extend? How do you in natural steps, um, uh, kind of just nourish that along, nourish that along. And then how do you get a sense of what the next step might be? Um, and what I find is that, um, if we're not careful, we leap to weird things right away. Like, oh, what's your dog's name? Isn't that cute? Do you want to come for dinner next Sunday night? Right. That's not an, a, a normal. Uh, pr- progression. So we have to really pay attention to what would be the ordinary way of doing things, right? There's many, many, many steps before typically we invite someone into our home and our space. So well, what would those be? What would they look like? And those, Jan, are just fun things to brainstorm with a team. What can you talk about? Who do we know in the neighborhood? What do we know that they like to talk about that interests this person as well, right? How do we build that up? Um, I would say that lots of us, I mean, I might talk about this. It doesn't mean that I'm a spontaneous speaker or greeter or asker or anything. And if anything, you know, I think it's because I've had to think this through that I could tell people um, a little bit more about it. So I would say, sit down with your team and say, you know, like you're going to meet someone in the hallway. You're going to meet someone at the environmental affair that you're going to. How are you going to draw out the conversation? How are you going to have just a little bit longer with each person? And what's your strategy for including um, our son in the conversation? No, that's great, great advice. And something that we try often is um, if you know that your family member is going to meet with someone and you know what their interests are, helping them sort of even role play some questions that they might ask. And also that practicing of setting up when to catch up. Like if we do that all in the background, the person's never learning themselves. So yeah. um, there's just the strategies that we've tried and seen that are starting to sort of work for people, which is exciting. What if you feel your support team is not on board with your vision? So I think the first thing I would do is to figure out, are they not on board with the vision or are they intimidated or overwhelmed by how to make it come about? And I think if it's the first, um, you've got a bigger problem than it's the second. The second is just, uh, you know, a learning thing step by step. But is it, if it's the first, if they don't think that in fact, um, community is better when everyone belongs and that we all have a contribution to make, you've got a, uh, you know, a, a much more significant problem and they better be playing pretty minor roles. <laughs> Uh, but if it's just like, yeah, yeah, but how am I going to do that? You say, we're going to learn together. We've got lots of different ideas. We're not going to dump it all on you. Our expectations are we going to learn together. So I think we, that, that conversation is kind of doable. And really, for lots of people, um, all we're doing is trying to figure out in the beginning, what is um, 
one interest that a person has and one role that we can figure out. And a role we want people in order to kind of think about the relationship aspect of it and really giving, contributing within that role for it to to be something that someone does on a regular basis. So you might be focused on a role that takes two or three hours a week um, to unfold and not do anything else. The rest of is your normal daily kinds of stuff that needs taken care of. So you're not going from zero to, you know, a full life in community in the next three weeks. You're going to say, let's experiment and feel good with this one role. Let's say he's really interested in outdoors and nature and everything. And uh, there's um, uh, a cleanup going to be happening um, uh, in a month's time. And then after that, they're going to have regular monthly cleanups at this shoreline or whatever. Right. Let's figure out who can he be on that uh, cleanup team? How can he make a contribution and how might might this be a place that he continues to go to? Right. And that's the only thing that you're working on. So um, in terms of this kind of that that part of building a life, uh, what you're doing is um, is growing confidence in the whole team. And I think you have to think about that. Yeah, and I think that sort of aligns nicely with the next question around how to keep your support workers motivated and excited to work with you and your family so it's like having those key um focus points and goals uh to work towards yeah um okay so look staff relationships recognize their limitations so they appreciate the power of relationships with others rather than themselves do you want to say that again like staff relationships recognize their limitations, so they appreciate the power of relationships with others, or maybe the you know the difficulty yeah. in, in building those. Yeah, that's really yeah. powerful. Yeah, if you can help uh, people do that, that that you know, um, and really, you know, one of the things I really get people to think about is, you know, if you have a relationship with this person, um, and then you leave the work role, do you have room in your life? Because right now, your pay is making you create space in your life for this relationship, right? And um, when you leave that, um, will you be able to continue that? And if you can't, but instead you've bridged to other relationships, that really takes a lot of pressure. I've done a good job. I can't be their friend, but I've done a good job and I've left other relationships in place. And that's a job well done. So yeah, that's something. Yeah. Yeah. So how to get families excited about this approach? I see families tolerating poor quality support, maybe through lack of imagination or exhaustion or time poor. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, I think if you can help families um, and, and one supporter that might be able to get it or without the support and have someone in a coordination role or something uh, come in and uh, develop the plan around one small role and give uh, the family some sense of possibility and what this would look like. Um, years ago, there was a woman who had a beautiful singing voice and uh, the staff person from our agency said, oh my goodness, she, the, any choir would just love her. And uh, she talked to the mom who said, you know, I've got all these paid supports, but everyone's time is filled up and they're doing all of these other important things and there's no time or place for this. And so uh, this uh, one of our facilitators said, 
you know, could I do it myself? Would you allow me to do it myself? And when it's underway, we can see if she needs a little bit of anything. And so uh, she was able to put it in place. Uh, clearly, the woman loved the choir. The choir loved her. In no time flat, she became one of the trainers for her section because she had um, perfect pitch, apparently. <laughs> And uh, and she only needed a tiny bit of support to get organized kind of before. The mother became so proud of that role for her daughter, talked about it everywhere. And it wasn't a problem finding the hour support. I think she could get um, a ride home, but she couldn't get a ride there. And uh, she's blind, so she needed some um, some help setting some things up. But uh, uh, so once it became a powerful role that everyone felt really good about, uh, the possibility was found. So sometimes people are, um, they, uh, they can't imagine it. Um, they have had too many rejections and false starts. They don't have the confidence and they just need someone. The whole team needs someone to model possibility. Yeah. One step at a time, you know, working from where the family's at. Yeah. I was just going to say, families talking to other families is really powerful as well. When families can uh, kind of give their stories to other families, it seems more doable sometimes than having kind of a more professional um, training event suggesting how things might fly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hopefully there'll be plenty of um, stories they can share if they join in on the conference um, and they can take right. it back to the family. Yeah, but look, it was really fabulous. Thank you so much. And I know we've missed a lot of questions that have come through. Uh, but Janet will be presenting it on Wednesday. So please join in again. So thank you again. And we'll see you on Wednesday. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. You've been listening to an Imagine More podcast. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to review us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and go to imaginemore.org.au for more great content. Thank you.